This is the Ontario Family Law Podcast, featuring issues related to marriage, separation, divorce, and even some child welfare issues. It is a companion to the book, A Guide to the Basics of Ontario Family Law, which is available as a paperback or ebook at Amazon, Kobo, or the Apple iBookstore. My name is John Schumann. I'm a certified specialist in family law, and I'm a family litigation lawyer, mediator, arbitrator, and collaborative lawyer, and I'm the partner leading the family law group at Devery Smith Frank LLP. Today on the 32nd episode of the podcast, an explanation of the procedure for changing an existing support order. Things in life change. They even change after separation for the former partner, spouses, or parents. Those changes can be financial, and they can affect how much child or spousal support a parent or former spouse should pay. The child support guidelines contemplate that child support will change every time a parent's income changes. Changes to spousal support are not automatic, and they can only occur in certain situations where there has been a significant change in the financial situation of either parent or former spouse. Whether spousal support can change depends on whether or not there is enough of a legal or factual basis for changing spousal support. That means there has been a change in the entitlement to spousal support, and entitlement to spousal support is the subject of another podcast in this series. In this episode, I am going to go over the procedure for how to change a support order when such a change is warranted. I have to start with a warning that it is very important to follow the procedure I am going to set out whenever there are changes to the amount of support payments. Former spouses or parents who have an agreement for support must sign a new agreement if they want to change the amount of support under an existing written agreement. At any time, a support recipient or support payer can take his or her properly made separation agreement, and to understand what a properly made separation agreement means, listen to the podcast on that topic, and that parent or former spouse files the separation agreement with the court to have the Family Responsibility Office enforce support under that agreement. The FRO will not change the amount that is set in the agreement and will not stop enforcing the agreement unless there is a court order or a new valid and enforceable support agreement changing the amount. Even if the parties opt out of Family Responsibility Office enforcement, either party can always go back to the Family Responsibility Office to have them enforce the support order by paying a small fee. Where there is an order, the Family Responsibility Office will always enforce the last order for support and it will pay no attention to any agreements between the parties. The Family Responsibility Office will go ahead and collect any shortfall under the order, even if there was an agreement reducing support, or it will reduce the support collected for any additional amounts paid over the last order by giving credit against future support payments. The FRO has no discretion to change a set support amount, so the FRO will collect pursuant to the last order or agreement unless a judge tells the FRO to do otherwise. Many people find themselves in a tough situation assuming that they have an agreement to change support. Many support payers have been forced to pay a large amount of retroactive support to the FRO even though they thought they had an agreement to reduce support only to find that the Family Responsibility Office is enforcing the last order or valid agreement without respect to the agreement they thought they had with their spouse. This happens when the recipient changes his or her mind and refiles the order for enforcement which results in the FRO suddenly collecting the shortfall in support that the support payer did not think existed because there is an unwritten agreement to reduce support. A support payer may find that he or she has to suddenly run to court urgently, probably at significant cost, because the FRO has grabbed a few thousand dollars out of his or her bank account or threatened to cancel the payer's driver's license or other license even though the support payer thought he or she was following an agreement. 
if circumstances suggest that the support under a valid and enforceable agreement should be changed, but one party of the agreement will not agree to change support, it is possible to get a court to change the support anyways. The party wanting to change can file the agreement with the court, which gives it the same status as a court order, and then use the same procedure that I will describe for changing a court order. There is a different procedure for changing an order for support than the parties used to resolve the support issue the first time around. The new procedure is called a motion to change, and it is described in Rule 15 of the Family Law Rules. Motions to change are much simpler procedures than the Family Court application, which is the procedure the parties use the first time around. This is because there should be fewer facts in dispute, and perhaps fewer legal issues, as many of the basic issues should have been resolved in the first procedure or the first court proceeding. There are different procedures for different types of changes of support depending on whether the parties agree or not. I will briefly go over what these are. Changing spousal support on consent is the simplest procedure. The parties need only file a motion to change form for a motion to change on consent. There are different forms for consent and not on consent. That form must be accompanied by documentation showing that the changes are an agreed upon change. If the parties agree to change spousal support, then the judge will likely make the order. There is no requirement for the judge to review financial documentation for consent changes to spousal support. However, if there is inadequate or misleading financial disclosure, the innocent party can fairly easily have the consent order set aside on that basis. Consent changes to child support are a little more involved. While the same type of form is used, and there still has to be evidence of consent as well, the parties also have to exchange financial disclosure about their incomes and provide basic information to the court by filling out the relevant parts of the motion to change form. There are parts for both parties to fill out. They also have to provide their notices of assessment. This is because judges that can only make orders that are consistent with the child support guidelines unless the parties convince the judge of the, that the terms of the order benefit the child more than the child support guidelines. Put in another way, Parties cannot simply agree to an amount of child support that is less than the child support guidelines and expect that there will be a court order to that effect. Child support must almost always be paid strictly in accordance with the child support guidelines, except in exceptional circumstances, which are really exceptional circumstances. If you think you have exceptional circumstances, then you better talk to a lawyer, because only a lawyer is going to convince a judge that the circumstances are such that child support should not be in accordance with the child support guidelines. Why don't you have your lawyer call my lawyer? Changing support not on consent in court has long been a difficult procedure. The Ontario government is introducing an administrative procedure to change support where the FRO or another appointed agency will review the party's tax returns and make the change after the parties have submitted the required forms. This does not require court attendance. It is a quick and easy way to change support as the parties just authorize the agency to get their tax information from Revenue Canada. However, this procedure will obviously not work where a party's tax return may not tell the whole story, or there are legal issues about how much support should be paid. So the administrative service for changing support is not available in the following circumstances. It is not available where a parent earns more than 20% of his or her annual income from self-employment or reported a self-employment income lost in the most recent taxation year. The service is not available when a parent earns more than 20% of his or her annual income from a rental property. 
The service is not available if the party's income includes income from a corporation of which the par parent is a director, officer, or majority shareholder, or from a partnership of which the par parent is a partner. The service is not available when either parent has an income that is more than $150,000 annually. The service is also not available where the parent has an annual income of less than the income amount for which child support is payable under the child support guidelines. Again, it is not available when the parent earns more than 20% of his or her annual income from seasonal employment, where he or she did not file a tax return for the most recent taxation year, or his or her most recent income tax return shows an income that is significantly different from his or her current income. Parents cannot use the administrative system to change their child support where they have a more complicated custody situation. These are cases of split or shared custody. What those are is defined in another episode of this podcast. However, in any of these circumstances, what a parent's tax return may not, says may not be the end to the story of how much child support he or she is to pay. If you do have to go to court to argue about how much child or spousal support should be paid, there is a simplified procedure for changing support the second time around. That procedure again involves filing a motion to change form that is not on consent and a change information form and in most cases a financial statement that has only to deal with the issue of support. You do not use the long form property financial statement. The responding party has to file a responding motion to change form and a financial statement. It is possible for the parties to use affidavits to explain their situation but most cards will not allow an affidavit to take the place of a change information form. Rather, each party must file the change information form and an affidavit explaining the situation. Also, within 30 days of serving their financial statement, each party must serve on the other party all the documentation to back up the figures, all the numbers, on his or her financial statement. The first court appearance in a motion to change is actually a case conference. In some jurisdictions, case conferences are held before a dispute resolution officer who is a senior family law lawyer rather than a judge. A dispute resolution officer cannot make orders, but if the parties reach an agreement using the dispute resolution officer's mediation skills, the dispute resolution officer can send the agreement up to a judge to make the order. If the issues are more complex, the dispute resolution officer can send the matter to a judge for a case conference, and in some jurisdictions, all the first appearances are just before a judge rather than a dispute resolution officer. Either way, the idea in this first appearance is to try to resolve the issue of support because, as I mentioned before, changes in support should be simple and there should be relatively few facts in dispute and relatively few legal issues in dispute. If there are no major legal issues in dispute, then the next step is a simple motion. Both parties show up in court and they argue based on the affidavit evidence they provided in their motion to change form and their accompanying affidavits and ask for the judge to make a change to the order on a final basis. If there are facts that are in dispute such that the judge has to weigh credibility then the judge cannot decide the case on a motion. Instead it has to be referred to a full trial. You do get to skip the settlement conference and, the, and maybe the trial management conference stage or maybe not but the goal will still be to try to simplify the procedure. Ironically, the same sort of situations that I described that make the administrative calculation of support unavailable to you 
are the same type of situations where there may be facts in dispute that require a trial rather than just having the judge hear a simple motion. If you are having a trial, then you are having a trial with all that is involved. Hopefully, you and the other party can focus on the issues that are in dispute and have a short, simple trial rather than a long, prolonged trial on the issue of support and perhaps some factual issues as well. I should note at this time that many people, when they're settling support on the first time around, often opt to include a provision in their agreement or final court order that requires them to use an ADR process to resolve support in the future. This is because by using an ADR process, you can simplify the procedure quite substantially to avoid a long, costly trial. An example of this might be where the parties agreed to hire a business evaluator to do a calculation of a complex support situation and to do, redo that every time support gets called into issue. The parties agree to be bound by that evaluator's conclusions rather than have a trial on the issue. It's still expensive to hire an evaluator, but often much less expensive than having a trial. Also note that for these second time around type situations, it is possible to use a very simplified procedure in family arbitration to resolve the issues, which can save a lot of time and expense. But the parties have to agree that to that procedure. Using family arbitration requires that the parties get independent legal advice on the procedure before proceeding. So you have to talk to a lawyer about what's available to you and what the most fair way to proceed. In light of that, and although ADR is an excellent way to resolve these cases, I will not talk further about it since you will have to talk to your lawyer about it anyways. Why don't you have your lawyer call my lawyer? Changing support uses a different procedure than setting support the first time around. Hopefully, it is a simplified procedure, and hopefully it is easier and faster than the first experience in court. However, it is important that you follow it, even if it does not. Not following the procedure can lead to serious problems down the road, but following it and cooperating with it can resolve things more quickly and easier. This has been a legal procedure edition of the Ontario Family Law Podcast, looking at the procedure for changing support orders. My name is John Schumann. I'm a family law lawyer practicing in Toronto, Ontario. You can reach me by calling 416-446-5847 or at our website, which is www.devrylaw.ca. That's www.devrylaw.ca. Look on our website or on iTunes for many other podcasts in these series and additional information on family law topics. We'll talk again soon about other family law and children's rights issues. Thanks for listening.